Hello, hello. Welcome back to Sexuality, a podcast that examines queer content in media. I'm your host, Lisa Lloyd, and today I'm joined by Megan. Hello. How you going? It feels very weird to be on this side. <laughs> yeah. It feels really weird to be the one being talked yeah. to. I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was like when I was on General Queries. That's where I know you from. Yeah. From General Queries. Yes. Did you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Dulcet. Your... Dulcet tones. Yeah, dulcet tones. What do your pronouns start off with? Mine is she, her. Nice. She her um who i am i am a goblin uh yeah that's it <laughs> this is really hard now did you want to talk about general queries now i feel um yeah so general queries is this big old gay podcast about the queer scene in brisbane we've mm. actually gone on hiatus oh okay yeah I well it's been that. running for a, a it's been year running for a so, year and everybody got really burnt out and then i i got really busy and i've now left oh, so i'm not okay. going back but yep. i'll be back as like guests and yep. things um so talia my little bean is gonna run it yeah. on this podcast for the david lynch episode yes she they uh we just had this conversation, <laughs> had this conversation. <laughs> now i'm more confused they are really awesome and they're gonna take it over um and keep it going so they'll break for about six months mm-hmm. and then they'll do like a big plan mm. and then come back so mm. that'll be really good but i'm now just a alone queer out in the world <laughs> Oh my oh, god. That's okay. A garden variety queer. That's okay. Aren't we all? <laughs> Aren't we all? I want that sticker. We sell they sell we sell merch and um Mita makes all these stickers and one of them is garden variety queer that's so coming cool. out. Yeah. That's if I had I any money that's where it'd be going. Yeah. <laughs> to garden variety queers, yes. <laughs> Oh, so um, did you want to introduce what we're talking about today? We're talking about Harry Potter. Ah. Because I love Harry Potter. <laughs> when we met, I was immediately like, I hate Harry Potter. <laughs> I think if you listen to the episode, you can hear me say, get out. Yeah. <laughs> well, now we're in my domain, so I can tell you to get out. Look, fair enough. Um, no, I really, I like Harry Potter. Yeah. It's the only fandom that I'm in. I've never got it with anything else. Really? Yep. How long have you been in the fandom? since i was about 11 wow. yeah i've definitely like tapered off a bit because mm. i just don't have a lot of time yeah now. yeah but i've been in the harry potter fandom since i was about 11 so about 10 years i cannot even imagine being it. in one fandom for that long i would just like every two or three years would just jump fandoms and completely like no nah, that's not me anymore don't yeah. know that person just move on no nah, i am loyal i was into how into harry potter, into doctor who okay really briefly yeah yeah um but harry potter has just been a staple yeah all through my life yeah well, I've, I've been into Captain America since 2014, so I again, I'm dropping a Captain America reference. <laughs> I am actually going to do that again in this podcast because it's something I want to talk about. Anyway, uh, so let's I'm talk about Harry it. Potter. I'm here for the comparison. Yeah. <laughs> No, I should stop talking about it. Um, Okay, anyway, so uh, what drew you to Harry Potter? Like, what? how is it special to you? What do you like about it? Um, When I was 11, Mm -hmm. so I was 11 at the time, I was at my great-aunt's house, and I found this book, and it was, like, one of, like, the old... 
um, I think it was like early noughties editions of the book. Yeah. Um, and it just had like the red rock on the front and like the black background. And I was really, mm. really into reading. Like yeah. I, I loved like the Narnia series yeah, and all that, yeah, so like yeah. the fantasy. Um, so I just picked it up. And like up until then, my parents had not let me read it and my school was a religious school and so they didn't want the school didn't want us reading it so I hadn't found out about it through school because all my friends went to the school as well and I think my parents weren't super keen on it I think because the themes were quite dark yeah so they starts off with a baby almost being murdered exactly so I think and then child abuse and then child abuse abuse. for the next thing yeah Yeah. so I think the like I think they were less like oh it's witchcraft and more like we just don't want to start any drama with school and also it's like she's 11 it's a bit dark but I picked it up and I started reading it Mm. and I just immediately fell in love Mm. and my mum found me reading it and she's like what's that I'm like oh it's called this I didn't realize what it was and um she was like oh well I've you've read started reading it now so you may as well and I just got hooked like I would read it they wouldn't let me uh, the teachers wouldn't let me have it at school like because it was witchcraft they were like Mm. no you can't read that at school so Mm. I would be reading it in the car on the way to school, leave it in the car, leave the book in the car. As soon as mum picked me up, I'd have it open again. Just like, just devoured those books. So yeah, I don't know. I think it was just the the magic. I always, yeah. I've always really liked magic. Yeah. So it's kind of just like, um, you know, this like very complex universe and it's so mm. believable. Yeah, like, but it's, it's also believable like that it's there. delivered in a way that children can, in like, get, can can read they yeah. understand like the words that jk rowling puts together yeah because she's just managed to make something that is like you said like just the magic of it is just so incredible this amazingly complex world but put it in a way that children can understand that 11 yeah. year olds can understand yeah and there's rules like there's rules to the world mm. like it's not just like i'm a magician blah you know like there's like there's laws and there's a, like a system of government and there's, you know, like mm. it's all like I think what And really, currency. Currency yeah. and like really complex relationships with like people who are in the community and who aren't in the community. And I think for me it was just that it was so profoundly believable even mm. now as an adult. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like even now I'm like, oh yeah, I'm sure that that's real somewhere. You yeah. know, like I'm like positive, and I'm not like delu- well, like I'm not under any delusions, but it's like yeah. sure in another universe, yeah, that is something that could feasibly exist. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, yeah like there I just like the the whimsy. Yeah, <laughs> and it has a lot of nostalgia for us now because we yeah. read it growing up. I don't remember picking up the first novel, and I don't remember when I started reading them, but I do remember being uh, fourteen in two thousand six when. Um, the Half Blood Prince came out, and somebody spoiling that Dumbledore died for me, oh. and I was just like going around everyone being like, "Is this true? Is this true?" And like everyone be like, "Yeah." I you, cried, you? tears, tears down my face when I read that part, and when spoiler when Dobby dies. <laughs> Um, seriously, like they made me cry, like, and I just got, I got so deeply invested. I would dream about it. Oh no. I dreamt that Dumbledore came to my house and told me that I was going to Hogwarts and gave me a wand. And when I woke up, my hand was in the shape of it and I looked down and there was nothing there and I was so disappointed. Yeah. (laughs) It just became so real for me. 
Like it just became, oh yeah, that's totally real, duh. I was waiting for my letter. Oh no. Yeah. I was already, I think I was already too old to have gotten my letter by the time I started reading the book. See, I was born in 1998. Yep. So according to canon, any muggle-born child that was born between, I think it's... 1994 don't quote me on that and 1998 their records were destroyed so they never got their letters because Voldemort infiltrated the ministry and they destroyed all the records because of the muggle yeah right which was just such a wild and like people make it so real because I got on Tumblr and like got into fan fiction Pottermore Pottermore is garbage now don't do it um, but OG Pottermore was great. Yeah. New Pottermore is just an advertising. Was that also, thing. was Pottermore also a forum where people could talk to each other? I think so. It and wasn't just like, the forum though. It was like a, it, was, it was like little mini games and you okay. could make potions and you could do like there was like house points um, and you went through the stories and it was like interactive. Okay. Um, and that I found quite cool. Yeah. But now it's basically just an online store, which yeah. is stupid okay um it's not like you pay for things like what do you yeah you go on and buy audiobooks and they have like blog posts about it it's basically a glorified muggle net like muggle net is a better resource so um capitalism strikes strikes again again. yeah so no i wouldn't touch it now but yeah it it was good Mm. og og So, uh, yeah, so getting on to the queer elements of it. So what is it about the interactions or the themes or, or anything in the books that make you think that there is a queer element to them? Um, see, the thing is, I can only talk about this now in hindsight. Yeah. Because I Oh, well, not realize... everyone at 11 years old. It's like, gay! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I remember reading that Dumbledore was gay and thinking, oh, of course. Okay. Yeah, like I don't know why, but I've also always thought that Harry was bi, just okay. the way that he talks about um, Bill Weasley. The way he talks about Bill Weasley, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, and the way he talks about Charlie is like, oh, so rugged. Ooh, Charlie with his dragons. Um, but also like a little bit with Ron. Okay. Like I don't think. It's a very weird, complex thing. You've got to have, like, I think I think you've got to identify, like, the nuances and, like, the the differences between, um, like, platonic and romantic love and, like, sexual attraction yeah. and things. I yeah, don't, absolutely. like, with the relationship with him and Ron, like, was just too intimate for it to be purely platonic but it's also not a purely romantic relationship either Um, it's a mix of both i think it's a mix of both and i don't think but i there is no sexual aspect to their relationship like it's purely this see i don't know i like kind of this weird blend of platonic and romantic and you know like the dedication they kind of have to Mm. one another is just kind of beyond any platonic relationship i've ever seen or experienced does, does um, Hermione factor into that at all for you? Um, like, not really. Because, I mean, like, Harry and Hermione's relationship was just never the same. Like, oh. you know, like in, um, in Goblet of, of Fire, oh, Goblet of Fire, Goblet yeah. of Fire um, Ron is the thing that he yes. will miss the most. Yes. So, like, you know, and it wasn't Hermione and it wasn't no. Ginny and it wasn't, you know, anybody yeah. else. It was Ron, yeah. which I found to be quite an interesting choice. That's true. And, like, I wouldn't go so far to say as, like, 
you know, Harry and Ron were lovers and they should have ended up together. Like, that's not what I'm yeah. saying. Because obviously, like, Hermione and Ron had a much stronger romantic yeah. connection and they always had. Yeah, I've, um, I always thought that as well, yeah. Yeah, and they always did. So, sorry, like, what's the Harry and Hermione ship? I can't remember. Har- uh, Har- Hermione. Hermione. <laughs> um... Yeah, sorry, you're wrong. Um, like, just saying. Um, and, like, Harry... Starting some fan wars right now. Yeah, sorry, guys. Um, but, like, and, like, Harry and Hermione's relationship is always, like, very familial. Yeah. Like, like very much, like, she's my sister, like, she's okay. my family. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, Ron and Harry's relationship kind of surpassed those relationships yeah. for me. Um, so, yeah, it was just, like, this very unique connection that they had. Yeah. Um, which leads me to believe that, like, yeah, Harry was definitely bi, yep. but I feel also that he should have ended up with Ginny. Like, okay, that's, yeah, that was a good choice. Yeah, it was a interesting relationship that did blossom from like mutual feelings and respect, and yeah. that's a really important thing for a, a, any series to have, any kind of media to have, because we need more. Um, I mean, it started, it did start off with Harry rescuing Ginny. But then it wasn't like, oh, she's so indebted to him that she's completely in love with him. Yeah. It, was, it was like, she liked him, she had a crush on him before that. Yeah. And then once that happened, she was like, oh, yeah, you're fine. It's like, fine. It's fine. We're all G. Yeah. So and yeah, they had this very slow burn yeah. as well. And then it got much more intimate, quite, yeah. more quick, quite a lot quicker. Yeah. More, more quickly? quickly? Oh, God. More I don't quickly. know. I think so. <laughs> Words. So do you think, um, so we talked about how Dumbledore is canonically the worst. The worst. <laughs> Thank God. You're not a Dumbledore apologist. God. Oh my God. Oh no, he was just like, no. A you bad man. Bad man. <laughs> a super bad man. That you put a child in an abusive situation like that for 11 years and just because you're gay do anything. Doesn't mean you're good. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, the whole Grindelwald Dumbledore relationship was definitely super gay. Yeah. But Grindelwald is an abuser as well. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, I genuinely believe that, like, Dumbledore was, like, an okay person. And then he got this, like, thirst for power that Grindelwald, like, inspired Still, yeah. because he was an abuser. Mm. And then Dumbledore subsequently became an abuser. Yeah. So, and, like, just obliviously, because everyone was, like, yeah so into him no that's the thing thing about abusers is that you just never know like they can hide it from anyone like very believable that no one would know that Dumbledore was like that and hiding behind like I like I have a little experience with this like hiding behind like a sob story basically like oh Mm. my sister died oh my dad's dead and was disgraced and so I have this like really hard story and I've like risen up from the ashes mm. and that's a really easy way for abusers to kind of like have martyrdom a little mm. bit so Dumbledore was able to get away with a lot of this stuff because he's an abuser <laughs> like was yeah. able to get away with a lot of the stuff because like he because was so he had sympathy and respect and connections yeah, like yeah all power of that kind of stuff yeah, yeah powerful people protect themselves so mm-hmm. yeah yeah Oof. it's not Oof. necessarily a queer thing but no. like 
definitely something to consider. <laughs> Absolutely. It is, like, tied into his character intrinsically, and as is the fact that he's gay. Yeah. So, well, now we, now it is. Now but we know. Also, like, that came out after? Yeah, in 2007. Yeah. And J.K. Rowling just said it. Like, she didn't even plan this big thing about it. She was just like, I think I actually have you do. the quote from her, if I can find it. <laughs> Dumbledore fell in love with Grindelwald, and that added to his horror when Grindelwald showed himself to be what he was. To an extent, do we say it excused Dumbledore a little more because falling in love can blind us to an extent? But he met someone as brilliant as he was, and dot dot dot. He was very drawn to his brilliant pers- to this brilliant person, and horribly, terribly let down by him. Um, <laughs> still an abuser. Still cool an abuser. motive. Still abuse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a bit uh, problematic, we shall say. <laughs> My wife is, like, for all of you playing at home, my wife is here. If you've listened to General Queries, you'd hear about my wife. She's made this face. <laughs> and, like, your eyebrows go up and she's just, like, widened her eyes and, like, clenched the jaw. <laughs> Thank you for shot my shot replay. <laughs> it's, it's an aesthetic. <laughs> um, yeah, so, um, and it really only hit me... Like, I was very much like, oh, no, Dumbledore's fine. And then, like, when he gets to the end and, like, kind of breaks down and, like, has mm. this whole, like, forgive an old man. Oh. No, he's, like, and it just, I don't even remember what happened. It just hit me one day. Mm. And I was like, wow, that's awful. Fucked up. Yeah. Fucked up. Like, it's, and it's the device that pushes the whole plot. Yeah. Without Dumbledore being an abuser, there is no story, mm. basically. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Um, I don't know if you've heard of the Russo test. It's basically to, it determines how well queer people are represented in media. Yeah. So I actually wrote, I started writing a blog about it and then that kind of morphed into this podcast. So I don't base the podcast on the Russo test, but it kind of was inspired by it. And one of the tenets is that, um... It's kind of like the Bechdel test, you know, two women have to talk to each other about something other than a man. Um, the Russo test is an identifiably queer character has to matter to the plot and oh, something else. But the has to matter to the plot thing is perfect in this case because without, like you said, without Dumbledore, there is no plot. Mm. There is no moving forward in Harry being trained as a, as a child soldier in order to die mm. so that he can defeat Voldemort. Yeah. A puppet. Yeah. Puppeteer? Puppeteer, Puppeteer pulling strings. Yeah. 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 And, like, the more you look at it, the more you're like, damn, like, I mean, I get that it had to happen this way, but, like, there was no one, there was no one there to stop him. Mm. Like, there was no one there to, like, vouch for Harry or protect Harry. Yeah. I mean, who was in his life at the time? I mean, Hagrid loved Dumbledore. Yeah. Like, so many people, like, McGonagall, same, would never have thought that Dumbledore would do something like that or, yeah you know and even <laughs> <Next minute>. though <laughs> like, even though like the thing that really cemented how awful Dumbledore is for me is I read this post that was like you never put a child in an abusive situation and that just hammered home for me like wow if he's willing to do that like even just right off the bat just willing to do that to a to a baby like how and he just did raise Harry to be a child soldier and then to be killed by Voldemort. Like, And there's, like, a whole thing about, like, oh, well, he had to live with his aunt and uncle because that was his mother's only living relative. 
and therefore no. I think that's true. I, think I mean, like, true. yeah, but like, because he had like old parents, and like because of that spell, like yeah. you know, oh, okay. your mother died for you, blah blah blah. But it's also like this man is also professed to be the most powerful wizard the world has ever seen. Um, surely there is a way because like the Weasleys would have taken him in, the Grangers would have taken him in. Yeah. Like, there was a community of people around him yeah. that would have taken him in yeah. and like cared for him and like the people that actually would have cared for him and not, you know, subjected him to horrific abuse. Um, surely like the most powerful wizard in the world can figure out a way that there is a level of protection there. But I mean, (laughs) the way I'm rationalizing it in my brain is that he would have thought that Harry would be easier to control if he's brought up in that situation. Exactly. That is messed up. Horrifying. <laughs> Horrifying. It is. Wow. The worst. <laughs> we can talk. We can, this whole podcast could be about how bad Tumbledore is. Yeah. As a person. I was. I was like thinking about it. I was like, no, that's too much. <laughs> oh, okay. Maybe we should just. Can we call it about... Dumbledore is the worst? <laughs> like the episode Dumbledore is the worst. So, um, just with his sexuality, he does fall into the dead gays trope. Yeah. Which is a joke that I used to say a lot, which is, how do you know a character is gay? Because they're They're fucking dead. dead. Even Harry dies. Even Harry dies. Yeah. When does he die? Oh, he dies and then he dies and comes back. Yeah, Yeah, so even Harry dies. Um, like, yeah, anyone who has even remotely a little bit of queerness. Sirius, like, Lupin, Sirius, Tonks. Lupin, Tonks, even Fred. Yeah. Because Fred is quite free with his sexuality. Oh, is he? I have always felt, yeah. in a way. Um, that's not, like... Canon, but... Canon. Yeah. I guess it's not... Like, it, like it could... It, it is neither here nor there. Yeah. Like, there's no confirmation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyone who has any sort of, like, queer connection is dead. Yeah. Or dies at some point. And before that, it's paired off in a horrible fucking relationship. Yeah. It's fine. Everything's fine. Uh, Nothing's on fire. We're all good. It's fine. It's cool. So uh, a thing I wanted to note was that um, because Dumbledore is gay, but it's never confirmed in the series, and it's never confirmed textually, um, there is a little bit of queer baiting in that you know having that letter that's in the in the Deathly Hallows where um Dumbledore says to Grindelwald like I'm so glad I met you you know they have this this like they have this rapport and they're they're really close friends and they're obviously like as confirmed by JK Rowling in a relationship um so that's a that's queer baiting in that it's not expressly saying that that's a queer relationship you've got to like read into it and exactly. like seek it out be yeah. like is it a queer hmm. as queers are very much hmm. used to doing for every type of media we just we just find our own queer things yeah. it's fine be like oh well they're a gay very gay <laughs> they looked at each other gay gay super gay um and so i f- like with uh with the later movies with um 
Fantastic Beasts and what's the other one? Cursed Child? No, no, Crimes of Grindelwald. Crimes of Grindelwald. I don't Grindelwald. know how I forgot that name when I was just about to talk about Grindelwald. Crime. Opportunity for crime. <laughs> but um, that would be queer baiting as well because people would be expecting there to be something about Dumbledore in there, about their relationship, but it's never confirmed textually. It's never... Of course not. That would be bad for sales. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I can't upset the heteros. Oh no. This is a children's movie. <laughs> Mine. That's not representation. That's queer baiting. My coping mechanism is just laughter now. <laughs> I was like, ha ha! <laughs> the hetero is making me upset, <laughs> That is Bex. Oh, I am gonna, I'm gonna credit you. That is Bex. That's so good. Yeah. She called it. Um, yeah. It does make me want to die inside a little bit. Mm. Um, I guess we kind of just take what we can get now. Which is the sad part. <laughs> well, there, it's out there. It yeah. is out there. Just because it's not mainstream doesn't mean it's not out there. Mm. Um, Wolfram, who will probably be a guest on this podcast, um, a friend of mine. Toy. Um, they, uh, they run a blog called Queer Content. They have a, uh, a zine called Queer Content. And they're very much up to date with basically everything queer in media. And Plugging other people and, in yeah. my episodes. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, but if you want to check it. out Wolfram's stuff, um, queer content on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and you can Bex like, phones out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> check out their their content, their queer content, and um, you know, chat to them and see if there's like if you want to know mm, anything, like talk to Wolfram. Good. Pretty much. So that's me. The queer almighty. The queer almighty. (laughs) I like it. Yeah. They can use that if they want. (laughs) They can have it. The queer almighty. Yeah. Um, Just one thing I wanted to mention about queer baiting is this quote that I found, which now I can't remember where I got it from, but it's it's in my notes. Um, It is queer baiting is seen as an exploitative tactic used to draw in fans, baiting them, and then and then further marginalize them through textual denials of the subtext the narrative deliberately cultivated. And that hits so hard for me when I read it. It's like your purpose, like the text is purposefully like Harry and Gaslighting you. It's gaslighting you. Oh my God, it is. It's like purposely like putting Harry and Ron together in these extraordinary situations (laughs) in which their loyalty is tested. What? A gay? I don't see a gay. Exactly. (laughs) And like their their friendship is solidified and their, their love for each other other is apparent and then continually does that throughout the series mm. and then it's like no no they're no. not gay not gays jk rowling no they're not gay not the gays no that's wild though i do i do stand by i do stand by romani and um whatever the harry and jenny name is i've forgotten them all i used to know them all um i do stand by them like i do yep. think they were good yeah, yeah. choices um but I think that, you know... There is also room for Harry and Ron to have a relationship. And also, like, not every relationship needs to be, like, romantically charged, like, to the max, mm. you know? Like, there are people who are aromantic and asex and, like, you know, 
And queer platonic relationships. And queer platonic, exactly. Like, you know, I'm, like, I'm very much for, like, more of this, like, like, I like Harry and Ron's relationship, like, Mm. exactly the way Mm. that it is. Like, you know, like, it sucks that we can't just say they're probably queers. Yeah. Like, you know, um, it doesn't have to have a name. Like, it doesn't have to be this huge, like, oh, and they fell in love and it was so, because that would almost be, like wrong the other way like making this huge deal out of them being queers when it can just be what it is like a relationship like any other relationship yeah rather than trying to like dumb it down in like quote unquote or like make it a huge deal or like make it okay make it um make it less than what it is yeah is what I mean so like make it less than what it is or make it a massive big deal to make it marketable yes to the gays like yeah you know that's not what it should be it should be exactly what it is and it's this relationship where two people are committed to one another and care about one another and loving one yeah. another would and... it be enough for you if jk rowling came out and said that they were like m- not just platonic but also romantically involved uh like at the time yeah now it would just be queer baiting yeah because that's what kind of what she's done yeah since like you know since the franchises were really started to build yeah. on itself and like you know she's released more books and she's done way more movies and there's the play and there's you know it's become yeah. this empire yeah um and now it's kind of like you know like star kid like um you know the scarf of sexual preference you know like (laughs) oh uh, there's this thing called the very potter musical and it became this huge viral thing um and it's just like some college students yeah they were college students at the time wasn't that darren chris darren chris Yeah. yeah and he was in that and um so they have the sorting hat, and then in the second one, they have the scarf of sexual preference. So they put it around them, and, they, and the scarf goes, heterosexual. And in a voice like that, it is awesome. But that's kind of what she's doing. It's like she's kind of like plucking sexualities yeah. out of a hat and yeah. just being like, oh, trans, I guess. Like, yeah, you or know. things like there were Jewish students at Hogwarts. Well, like, where the fuck are they? Where, yeah. Why didn't you write them in there? And I mean, I understand that you can't like list people and go, and this person is of this background. But yeah. like, come on. Yeah, do Not a bit more, that. JK. Come do, on. Do more. And like, it was enough in the 90s. It's not enough now. No. Like, what she's doing well, is Well, I enough. would argue that it wasn't even enough in the 90s because these conversations yeah. <laughs> have been happening for a lot longer than they've been happening in the mainstream. Yeah. Like, queer people have been fighting for representation. People of colour have been fighting for representation. Women have been fighting. People with disabilities. You know, every kind of Everyone. bracket, like you were saying, like, has been fighting for representation to be seen, to be heard, to be portrayed on screen, to have our stories told. And it's just it's just infuriating when something as big as Harry Potter could have hit that mark so well, but instead it didn't. Yeah. Admittedly, it was like I think for the mainstream at the time of its release, mm. it was a product of its time. A product of the time, and it was relatively progressive. Like mm. Mad Eye Moody is disabled. That's true. Like, and I when I was ten, a dog bit my face, and I have. A, like a fairly big scar on my face that you can't really see mm. but he bit my the dog bit my nose and 
took out a chunk of my face and so it's been reconstructed and unless you look at me and unless I show you where it is you can't see it um a lot of people will be like oh you have like makeup caked like sometimes I'll get that but that's all it is so it's quite inconspicuous but I was really self-conscious because it happened around the time I started reading it and Mad-Eye Moody has a chunk out of his nose and like that was just really huge for me because I'm like oh that's just like me Mm. and I think that's the closest I've ever gotten to feeling like represented represented in that that way and so like you know I can't really even begin to fathom like you know it's a mostly white able-bodied hetero hetero franchise yeah um with all of these like illusions and assumptions and um yeah what what JK is doing is not enough now like and she doesn't have to do more because she step away from it. She could live an affluent lifestyle well after you know she's dead. Yeah, like her children and her grandchildren and her great grandchildren yeah. will live these incredibly affluent lifestyles because yeah. um, they can afford it. She doesn't have to do anything more now. Why would she? <laughs> so maybe <laughs> she should stop. <laughs> Just no, stop. I don't know. Yeah. What a concept. So, is that a good representation of queerness? <laughs> um, as a, as a series and a franchise, no. Yeah. It's a poor choice. It is. I'm still going to say, I still love it. It's a bop. Um, it's fine. You can love something, but engage with it critically. That's totally that's fine. That's totally fine. That's what I love about this podcast is that's what we're doing. We're talking about things that we love that uh, are problematic. And you've always got incredibly queer fan fiction. Exactly. To fill it in for you. Yes, I'm a big proponent of fan fiction. Read fan fiction. just... I'm pretty sure it's like 99% queers because... (laughs) (laughs) Most fan fiction is. There is so much fan fiction that is like... The most interesting one that I have ever seen is Dobby and the Sorting Hat. Excuse me? <laughs> yeah, they all got, I don't know, a, a bunch of people must have got together and all got high and just wrote a bunch of Harry Potter fan fiction. <laughs> I think there's the Drapple. Wait, is that like a like an actual pairing that, pe- that more than one yes. person has written? Yes, it's a real pairing. Like, go on to fanfiction.net. Um, no, thank you. Th- no, don't do that. There's uh, Snape and Hermione, which I found to be quite disturbing. That is quite disturbing. Yeah. I do not enjoy teacher-student relationships, yeah. regardless of what fandom it's it is. quite disturbing. I think there's a Dumbledore and Dobby that I found really quite scary. There's a Hagrid and Buckbeak, I believe. Yeah. That's bestiality, that is. Yeah, don't That's go too deep. Don't go too deep into the into the hole. But um, just scratch the surface, you'll find some nice ones. Like, while researching for this, um, for this episode, I was just going through, like, um, Sirius and Remus and the case for them, this, like... This They're thing called, queers. it's called like the case for R slash S or something like that. Mm. And I was just reading it going, yeah, I'm, I'm a believer. Yeah. Oh no, they like absolutely a couple. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. There is so much fan fiction out there that is like basically canon, like basically like parallel. Like I'm pretty sure from what I've seen anyway, it's 
pretty widely accepted yeah. within the fandom that they were absolutely together. And the what I find disturbing about his relationship with Tonks is that he's like, you know, like I'm an old man, I'm a werewolf, mm. like he's not even that old. He's like mid thirties. Yeah, right. And she's supposed to be quite young, and he's like, you know, you deserve somebody she's better. She's like probably like twenty. Like yeah, like it's not that bad. And I was always really confused with that match. Mm. Like, you know, oh, you know, any babies that we have are going to be werewolves and blah. Um, I was just always very confused by that pairing because it just seemed like he didn't want to be there at all. And, like, yeah, he was they happy seemed... for, like, five minutes and yeah. then he got depressed again. Like, uh, They seemed really unhappy together. Yeah, like, they did seem incredibly unhappy. And, you know, the, well, the only unhappy was Tonks. She mm. was like, ah, woohoo, like, I'm, like doing well and he was a wreck yeah um i mean sirius had just died sirius maybe because his life partner had just died like (laughs) his last best friend from high school yeah didn't try to kill him exactly so but yeah no absolutely like it's basically canon that yeah they were together yeah anyone who tries to tell me different can get stuffed um (laughs) yeah I'm a big believer. I was reading and going, yeah. Yeah. That's true. It's definitely a thing. That's definitely true. Okay, so do we want to talk about... um, Yeah, let's talk about Remus and Sirius. So Sirius Black can be seen as a queer character. Super queer. In that I was just... uh, What was it, that part? Like, I didn't read all of the books. (laughs) I didn't even get through Order of that's, the Phoenix. That's fair enough. That Getting to Order of the Phoenix is pro, is like an effort. No, I like started, like you said, read Order of the Phoenix. <laughs> and Deathly Hallows and I still didn't even get through that's Order of the fine. Phoenix. Think, you gave me like three weeks preparation and I still did not even read I think book. that's a decent effort. I think that's absolutely a decent effort. When I was reading the books and I was 11, I had no responsibilities. Did I pay bills? Did I? Like no, <laughs> don't. Okay, I have. I don't have a job at the moment. I don't know what I was. You doing have adult that. responsibilities. Yeah, sure, you're fine. Sure, don't even worry about it. Um, but I've just gotten up to the part where uh, Snape's worst memory, where Harry is in Snape's memory, where he's taking the owls, and um, yes, and yeah. uh, he sees his father there, and Sirius and Lupin. And um, Sirius is like leaning back in his chair, and oh god, I have to get the um. And he's sexy. Oh, he's sexy. He's. Um, I have to get it. Sirius was lounging in his chair at his ease, suiting it back on two legs. He was very good looking. His dark hair fell into his eyes with a sort of casual elegance neither James's nor Harry's could ever have achieved. And the girl sitting behind him was eyeing him hopefully, though he didn't seem to have noticed. That is exactly where I got up to. Yeah. That's just, like, serious Black, just, like, a mood. <laughs> like, if there was a way to sum him up, that's it. Like... Completely... Probably knowing that girls wanted him and, like, living for it, but also yeah. knowing that's never gonna happen. He was also, like, it's canon that he was never really interested. Yeah. Like, he was never really, like, dating around, like... <laughs> he and Lupin were a couple. Blah 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 blah. Like <laughs> <laughs> further evidence. Like, like yeah. I mean, when you put it to like Lily and James, how their entire like Harry's entire knowledge of his of his parents is that they were together, 
and that they were fighting Voldemort together and they were a couple and he even like in that memory um I, th I can't really remember if it's that memory or if it's a different one where um it's like it's still James in relation to Lily mm. and yeah like, always except, or in relation to the Marauders yeah yeah never really a person in his own right because yeah he, like you can only ever know him peripherally exactly um and even then that memory is, is through snape so he's seeing his father through snape's eyes mm. yeah snape snape snape, snape. Oh, sorry i really had to um yeah so i hate snape Ugh. yeah snape is the worst he's, the, he's even worse than dumbledore if that's possible I would still say Dumbledore is worse. Okay. Because I genuinely do think that he he at least thought that he was acting out of love, but Dumbledore is smart enough to know exactly what he was doing. Well, that's like, interesting you say that because... Because Snape really hated Harry. And he hated Harry because Snape couldn't be with Lily and Harry is Lily's son. So he knew that he was being cruel and abusive towards Harry with no, like, justification for it mm. or, like, anything to back up why he was doing that. It's just mm. straight up he was just being abusive and awful. Whereas Dumbledore, he, um, he often expresses throughout the series that love is the most important um, thing in life, pretty much to have uh in the first book he talks about i can't remember exactly the words but he talks about how harry's um lily's love for harry is what saves him from voldemort mm. and gives him that scar i think i'm more frightened of dumbledore because like with snape you know why he hates you yeah you know well he hates harry you know why he's cruel and you know why he does what he does yeah like the fact that he was like in love with lily was not a surprise to me yeah like that wasn't a, a like oh my god i was like well yeah duh like he's got to be a way to be like he's got to have a way to be crap um but i think with dumbledore like it's all so smoke and mirrors mm. and like deceit and false promises and like a facade and you never really know what's going on or where you stand yeah and i think that's so more insidious kind of evil yeah i think that's what's frightening about it for me like i could probably stick someone you know uh, i could stick someone acting the way that snape acts towards harry more than i could stick the way that dumbledore acts it's mm. just so much more underhanded and you don't yeah. really know what's going on and yeah. that to me is much more dangerous okay yeah i i would agree with you it is a lot more dangerous i would just like prefer to be subtly manipulated by dumbledore into dying than be straight up abused to my face that is constantly fair. by snape each to their own when it comes to abuse <laughs> um that's not okay that's Ooh. kind of making light of abuse okay oh oh, oh buddy no yeah. let's backtrack on that one humor is very much my defense oh. i'm very sorry <laughs> I take After it being super abused seriously. my entire childhood, I think I'm allowed to take it a little bit lightly. You can absolutely do whatever you want. That's <laughs> fine. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so what were we talking about? Okay, so Sirius, um, I was thinking that his 
breaking away from his close-minded family can be seen through both both a like a post-colonial perspective and a queer perspective as like maybe Sirius Black's family is also like I can't remember what I was trying to say. So Sirius is black. Sirius Black's family is uh, like white supremacist. White supremacist, yeah. yeah, or like pure blood supremacist. So yeah. basically, white supremacist. Um, I guess the post-colonialism is harder for me to talk about because I'm white. Yes. Um, I just I don't always talk about things like that in detail. Yeah. Like post-colonial readings or, mm-hmm. or anti-colonialism or anything. Anti-colonialism, not post-colonialism. Sorry, um, because yeah, I just mention it, like because I want people to be yeah. aware of it. I, you know, and it's definitely a thing. Like it's absolutely yeah. like. A, I mean, there's a, a lot of class issues in Harry Very Potter. Very classist, yeah. yeah, and I think, and racist, like a lot of race issues, class issues, yeah, and like a lot of that, like that has always been, um, like accepted as being a parallel. Like you know, being Muggle-born is is drawn as a parallel to you know mm. experiencing racism mm. like um but i guess it's a lot more complex because she doesn't really discuss any sort of race issues in the way that we understand it so like mm. there's no sort of racism towards people of color which i just yeah. don't believe like yes. in the context of the world like i just think that's quite idealist um but yeah the whole like coming out um is definitely like is definitely a parallel with the you're a wizard harry and i'm a what like yeah you're a gay harry um and yeah like the whole actually coming out of the closet but what's disappointing is that it's not a little bit more blatant like it's just like this very like thickly veiled metaphor um, and then we don't really see any queer. queers ever again. Yeah. yeah, exactly. No, I did want to touch on that, but um, yeah, I just want to talk about Sirius Black for a little bit, and then maybe Lupin. Um, so going back to Sirius Black's queerness, like him breaking away from his family, can be seen as him like coming out to them and then them disowning him. Mm. But yeah, I don't know. Did you want to talk about that? Yeah. No, I can definitely see that. I think it's definitely more about white supremacy yeah though, as opposed to like like you can definitely read it that way yeah but i definitely think it's more of a race thing. yeah yeah for yeah. me as a white person no um, i think it's valid yeah. yeah like just thinking like oh cool and just the way that like voldemort is kind of set up as well like mm. i've always like aligned it very much with like Hitler and yep. like the Holocaust and like yep. that is that is something that inspired JK Rowling like that's a canon yeah. thing um so you know like it's a whole genocide thing mm. um so yeah it is very similar to like the white supremacy of like the Nazi regime so like yeah, that it makes more sense to me but yeah it can definitely be like a um like I guess a, a sub meaning uh a, a an I'm, happy to, I'm happy to let it slide. I'm happy to let it slide yeah. and say that it's mostly, or at least, yeah. just primarily an anti-colonial reading. I think it would definitely be sentiment. more like a personal interpretation, yeah. as opposed to like an overarching theme yes. of the. But I'm happy to let it book. Slide. Yeah. But we have established that Sirius Black is indeed such a queer fucking homo. He's yeah, yeah big he's old queer. queer. Yeah. I don't know what kind of variety queer... Like, I wouldn't say he was, like... 
I've <laughs> gone variety. Um, I wouldn't say he's gay. I would just say that he was queer. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Because I think it's not really defined for him, and he se- and it seems like the kind of character that wouldn't want any sort of definition. It would just kind of be a thing. Yeah. Um, I'm happy with queer. Yeah. Big ol' queer. Big ol' gay. Big ol' gay. But he's definitely in a relationship with Remus. Yes, that definitely happened. That was real. And uh, lycanthropy, as stated by J.K. Rowling, is Mm. a metaphor for AIDS. Yeah. Ain't that problematic? Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Just a little bit. Um, So let's talk about that for a little bit. So um, Remus is a werewolf. Mm. And he's often discriminated against. We see him in the third book as um, as he's quite shabby. Like, his clothes are quite shabby. He looks really old for his age. And he's got, like, a, a, a briefcase that's held together by string or something like Big that. Big mood. And uh, we get the impression that he kind of bounces around a lot. And then and we learn later on that it's very hard for werewolves to find work because of their status. Um, as werewolves and that happens to Remus as well he loses his job at the end of Prisoner of Azkaban because he is found out to be a werewolf and so it is this thing where um, he has to stay hidden he has to keep that part of himself hidden because the prejudices of the world uh, will work against him because there is yeah. quite a bit of prejudice still against werewolves. I think it's much more of a commentary on, like, um, I guess maybe not so much now that we have so many more protections than we used mm. to. Um, but I feel that it's definitely more of a commentary on how queers have been treated in the past and are still treated in other parts of the yep. world, rather than it is, like, I don't love that it's a metaphor for... <laughs> AIDS and HIV and like bloodborne diseases. Yes. I just feel that like, 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 because he turns into a monster. Yes, I I find that to be quite disturbing. Yeah. Um, because at the end of the day, like HIV is a very now is a very manageable disease unless you live in america in which case they want to kill off anyone who has hiv because most of them are queer yeah (laughs) because the medication is like thousands of dollars a month so is diabetes medication they just want to kill everyone who like they just want yeah they just want to kill everyone they just scary wish disabled people were dead huh like (laughs) my wife is nodding (laughs) my wife is disabled um yeah so I find that to be quite a disturbing comparison because yes. it is it, like from what I understand into, like, a, the flesh hungry monster yeah. who wants to kill people and from what I understand like HIV and AIDS is very manageable mm. with the right medication mm. like you can live a normal life like you know but, without um, it affecting you in such a big way yes and now that I mean, the stigma is still there. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. But now that at least the majority of the, you know, HIV and AIDS epidemic stigma is gone, um, you know, you can basically just be a normal person. So I think 
comparing it to something like that is that's not to say that people who have AIDS aren't normal (laughs) no that's exactly right but But I, I guess I guess more to more what I mean is that it doesn't you, impact. It doesn't like, affect you yeah, in, in your society. life in, and in society yeah. as profoundly as it would have in perhaps the eighties. Yes. That's more what I mean. Yes. Sorry, and also not as life threatening and not a death sentence. Exactly, you can live. I mean, a relatively healthy life. That's yeah. the word I'm looking yes. for. Um, yeah, as long as it's well managed, mm. um, like many disabilities you can have like a great quality of life because you should be able to you know like you should have the right and we have that opportunity now yeah after decades and decades of research and experimental trials and science and everything that i don't understand yeah um to be able to be in this position now where we can manage um aids yeah exactly yeah exactly and i just think bit of a scary thing to try and say like i know what i know what she's trying to do and i respect that that's fine yeah um i think it should be selective like i definitely think it is for people who are unaware of those sorts of things yeah to be like hey that's not fair he's a nice guy um rather than for people he can't possibly be a werewolf he can't possibly be a werewolf he's too nice you know like just to kind of start that conversation it's definitely more of a conversation starter Mm. rather than contributing in any particularly meaningful helpful way yeah absolutely yeah but um david thewlis who played lupin (laughs) in the series in the movies um did say that he played him as a uh, was it tragic or sad or what was the, uh, I can't remember something as a gay man um okay so he did play him as a traumatised gay man or something God, was traumatized. there was a word that I can't remember what it was called if I remember it I'll put it in the show notes I mean he is traumatised like Lupin's yeah. character is traumatised yeah. absolutely yeah absolutely like, um, and also the fact that Dumbledore kind of uses him as this fun little pawn is quite yes why else would he be there at the time that Sirius Black is on the run yeah and also in the war like off you go to the werewolves yes like from that episode of like Brooklyn Nine-Nine when Holt is in his old precinct there's like a flashback and he goes you're black his commanding officer's like you're black and gay so I think you should just take all the black gay cases you know the weird (laughs) stuff (laughs) And Holt's like, I strongly disagree. Like, <laughs> you're a werewolf. Take all the werewolf yeah. stuff, you know? Well, he does that with Hagrid and the giants as yeah. well. You're a giant. Just take all the giant stuff. <sighs> Dumbledore. We're just what coming back prick. to Dumbledore being the worst. What a prick. <laughs> uh, let's, I want to leave Harry last, so let's talk about um, Tonks now. Yeah. So Nymphadora Tonks, a shapeshifter whose spiky pink hair and punk aesthetic caused her to present as a butch femme to many fans. Add in her insistence on being called by her gender-neutral last name and her ability to change genders and appearance at will, many fans saw her as a canonically genderqueer or gender-fluid character. Oh, Tonks. In hindsight, I think I had a crush on her. Yeah, right? Like, I look back now. The bubblegum pink hair. Oh, 
I think I look back now and I'm like, <laughs> we're all just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. God love her. Yeah. I think I look back now at a lot of like pop culture and a lot of things that I was like obsessed with. And I'm mm. like, that was a gay crush. Yeah. Oh, my obsession with Lindsay Lohan from such a young age. Was really? Like, Lindsay yes, Lohan? Yes, Lindsay Lohan. To this oh, day, I stand you. Lindsay Lohan. Oh, my God. I think for me, it was the very first, like, lady crush movie that I can remember. Oh, I think mine was on Raven from Teen Titans. <laughs> oh, you had Raven? I yeah, had... Um, Starfire. Starfire. Yeah. <laughs> Starfire was my girl. That's it. That's the one. Because I never remember her name. Yeah, Starfire, definitely. Because I'm like, I wanted to be her. But I was also like, I also thought like Robin was quite hot as well. <laughs> so I would always like, any TV show I kind of picked two. Yeah. It was very weird. Yeah, yeah. Like I had like a favorite girl and a favorite boy. I and wonder I why. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> And now, it took me until I was, like, 19. Same. Yeah. Same. And Good. I, yeah. I'm not the only one. No, it was, like, I started on Tumblr, and then I was kissing girls at parties, and then I was like, oh, shit, you can actually be a trans. This makes all of my interactions with is this women a, is this and girls. my life? <laughs> I'm sorry. Are we the same? Because <laughs> I was, like, exactly the same. I'm so glad we met and we have this in common because oh for my a while, God. I just thought, like, that people just knew that they were queer and like I've met so many other lesbians who were like, Oh yeah, I kissed a guy once and you wasn't for me and I was like, No. Mm. I kissed so many boys. Yeah, lucky. Uh, I'm actually quite fortunate that I'm bi because that now I kind of have no regrets when yeah. it comes to kissing people. I'm yeah, just yeah. like, ah, they were both fine, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like it was. I like to keep my options open. <laughs> I like to por qué la nasta. <laughs> like, what does that mean? You say that all the time. Oh, it means why can't we have both? Oh, of course, it's yes. From that ad. Yes, the tortilla, the uh, del taco. Yeah. Somebody once said to me, "Oh, you'll choose," and I was like. <laughs> yeah, no, I actually, I don't know, like, you might have heard it on my episode, I go into it in my episode, but I actually figured out that I was by with an ex-boyfriend who turned out to be not a great dude. Yeah. Um, but he said that by people, because I was like, I like boys and I like girls, like, I'm not, like, I've only dated men, like, I'm not queer enough. Yeah. And he said, well, you're a futon sometimes it's a bed and sometimes it's a couch but it's always a futon yeah you know yeah so i think that's quite helpful it's probably the only helpful thing that came out of that relationship but um at least it's not a food metaphor <laughs> a food metaphor everyone uses food metaphors to describe sexuality and i'm over it i've never heard a food metaphor serious in my life it was yeah. a big thing on ace tumblr for a while and, like, even when I was talking to people who, not on Tumblr, like, in real life, or, like, offline, I should say, um, that... <laughs> in, in real life. Offline. Not online, offline. Um, when That they would be, like, you know, talking about um, asexuality in terms of, like, cake. Sometimes people want cake, and sometimes people want no cake, and sometimes people want this cake. And yeah, like, no, I oh, understand God. that. I do Shut like up. the tea metaphor okay. with consent okay so we've we've gone off on a tangent yeah. but this one's important so yeah. um this is the important tangent. Cons- this is the important tangent consent is like 
making is like making somebody a cup of tea so they they parallel it so they're like okay so you ask somebody if they want a cup of tea and they say no but you make them a cup of tea anyway and you try and make them drink it like they're not going to do that like they said no i didn't want a cup of tea you ask somebody if they want a cup of tea and they say yes and then you bring it to them and they say actually no i've changed my mind i don't want a cup of tea yeah and it's this whole like cartoon um about like making someone a cup of tea and like all the different scenarios that can yeah. play out and i just think and it's a really like do you fun... have to ask them do they want milk do they want sugar do they want yeah. milk and sugar what type of milk do they want you know like yeah exactly or like you just make them a cup of tea like they have like you have before and yeah. they said oh no i don't want milk today yeah or like, but like i really like it because it's mm. a really nice way of like you know understanding understanding like simplifying a concept in a way that's not patronizing yeah exactly and not like and it, it's applicable to like all situations mm. you know not just like a sexual context so mm. i like it it's yeah good. no i think that's really good um is that a cartoon or a web comic or something it's a web comic i yeah. think if you just type into google Tea do you have the content? link that you can send me or? i can send you a link yeah i can find I it can, again i can and put I'll send it in the show you. notes yes yeah um, so it's a consent tea comment, uh, comic. Tea, that's better. <laughs> the words are just washing over. Okay, so uh, back, we're back to, to Tonks. Tonks. Back to Tonks. Who's um, really hot. Did you want to talk some more about Tonks? I love Tonks. Mm. I think she's a great character. Um, and I think that she is made to be incredibly straight. Yeah, like really shoved in that closet pretty far. Yeah. So um, far she's in Narnia. Yeah. (laughs) I think we're past Narnia. I think we're beyond it. Um, We are in the sea. Um, (laughs) I can't remember what other other countries are. Anyway, um, yeah, no. uh, I think she's put into a very straight world. But I like that, um, like, she never fits the mould. Yeah. She kind of, like, does her own thing. Yeah. And... Um, and also the fact that she's a woman and she's like in this aura. Yeah. Yeah. An aura. She's in this elite law enforcement agency and nobody cares Mm. that she's a woman. Yeah. Um, and that's really great. But it's also, I, I, I like her as a character. I don't love sometimes how she's depicted because she's depicted as like, a cool girl, not like the other, the other girls. Girl, she yeah. has like bright coloured hair. And she trips over a lot. Yeah, she's, she's not feminine. Yeah. So it's like her femininity isn't tied to her identity at all. Um, and for her, I feel that be, the fact that service. she's a woman matters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it does do her a disservice because, like, oh, she's not like a girl girl so she's fine well that's the problem that jk rowling has in these books is that you look at characters like tonks who are by all accounts gender fluid and non-binary and Mm. they don't and she doesn't fit um this kind of typical mold of like what jk rowling thinks that femme girls or or um girly girls Mm. for lack of a better term fit and when she does write that, characters who like pink and who speak in high-pitched voices, mm-hmm. they're Umbridge. And they're the other girls in the... Um, they're, st- they're stupid. They're stupid. Or, yeah. They're, they're the other girls in the Gryffindor um, in their grade who love Pre- Professor Trelawney even though Trelawney is a fraud. 
Like I actually love Professor Trelawney. <laughs> I'm very much behind her. Like all her predictions came true. Yeah, that's true. Like she's like two predictions oh, in like you... 23 years. All of them came true. Both all of, of them, them came true. No, no, no. Like all the things she said, she's like, oh, you will, Harry oh, will have right. this horrible yeah. death. Yeah, and the the dog in the teacup. And no, but she was grim. reading dump. But she was yeah. reading Voldemort. Yeah, okay. Because she's like, oh, were you born in midwinter? No, I was born in July. She was reading the part of Voldemort's soul in Harry. <gasps> oh, my God. Because Voldemort was, like, Voldemort was born in midwinter. Yeah. And so, like, I fully believe, because there's this Greek mythology, um, you'll probably be better at this than me, but... Um, I'm gesturing to my wife. Um, <laughs> there's this piece of Greek mythology, and it's about um, I think it's Cassandra is oh, yeah, her name, yeah. and she's a a seer, a seer, and she's cursed because and I can't remember why she's cursed. Somebody, I'll find the story. Somebody yep. tweet or whatever. But um, she is cursed with no like she has this amazing gift, and no one ever believes her. Yeah, no one ever believes her. Um, like predictions and Trelawney's grandmother's name is Cassandra. Yes, yes, it is. So I genuinely believe that she was like legit, and mm. she was just people. Were, yeah, yeah. And even Ron, like, oh, you're gonna suffer, but you're gonna be happy about yeah. it. Yeah, like that's true. That happened. Yeah, because at the end of the novel, he is attacked by all those dementors, and then he conjures up like, the Patronus. Yeah, exactly. He's like, it's fine. Yeah. So yeah, no, I definitely believe that. But um, yeah, back yeah. to Tonks. Back yeah. To Tonks. So yes. Um, yeah, I don't love how J.K. Rowling is very spl- gender is a very binary mm. thing, and effeminate girls are stupid and yes. not worth it. And oh, Hermione evil. is not like the other girls yeah. and because she's smart and she reads and her interests are all academic so therefore she's more valid and Tonks is more valid because she's not particularly effeminate. Yeah. And um, you know, Molly Weasley is more valid because she conforms quite strongly to those caretaker yes. roles. Yes. Um valid because she's um, uptight and strict mm. and doesn't take any crap and very smart very, very whip smart yeah yeah so but like she should have just left tonks alone really yeah like just let like, her be gender fluid it's fine the thing i want to talk about with um tonks was her relationship with lupin and there is i discovered either yesterday or the day before there's this thing called the compass test which um, is really new because a couple of people just came up with it recently. But um, Twitter user Grade B Maple, um, I'll link to the tweet in the show notes, um, and friends came up with this compass test, which is like the Bechdel test, like the Russo test. Um, it says that if your female character is in the text to undermine or deter queer readings of a major male character, the work fails the compass test. If the female character was diminished from the previous established characterization, the movie super fails the test. Super fail. <laughs> yeah, and like, that's kind of why she's a... Yeah. She's not really, uh, she doesn't really become a character in her own right until she's Lupin's wife. Yeah. Which is scary. 
What does what does she do in the fifth book? Like she helps um with the vanguard or whatever it's called. So she is part of the group of auras that are um assigned to protect Harry. Assigned to protect Harry yeah. in the ministry, but she's also a member of the Order of the Phoenix. Mm. Um so she is fighting against Voldemort and working with Dumbledore yeah. and part of that army. Yes. I guess. Um But does her role differ from that of any other characters like could she be replaced by a different character yeah absolutely yeah in a heartbeat mm. immediately a sexy lamp sexy lamp test yes sexy lamp test yeah. yeah so her role works the same the only defining characteristic that she has that would make her irreplaceable is the fact that she is um an anamorphagus. Yeah, an anamorphagus. Anamorphagus. Yeah, yeah, I think. Anemonemonemony. Yeah, so, but if somebody else had that power, she could be replaced. Yeah. Like, does it impact the story that much, that power? Yeah, the, the, the power is what okay. is important. Yeah. Because she transforms herself to, like, take him places and like look after him okay but that's also nothing that couldn't be achieved by polyjuice potion yep like modification spells um disillusionment charms yes um those things could all be achieved in the same way yeah so she is not particularly pertinent to the story there you go so fails the compass test because she fails the sexy lamp test uh, fails the compass test because in the sixth book, is it the sixth book that Harry and Lupin get together? Fifth, uh, seventh book? End of the sixth book. You know what, Beck? <laughs> My wife has informed me. I've just been handed a note. Uh, it's the end of the sixth book. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, yeah, so basically, uh, we all know Remus is gay. gay J.K. Gay, Rowling. Gay. Yeah. Probably knew that people knew that he was gay and was like, can't have this. Uh, we, we can't have those gays. <laughs> I was watching Arrested Development and it's now my favourite quote. She's like, ugh, look at what the homosexuals are doing to me. Look what the homosexuals are doing to me, Michael. They're just so flamboyant, it makes me want to set myself on fire. <laughs> first episode the very very like, first it's one episode of the first things it's said. one of the first things she says yeah i think it is the first line that a character yeah. has like live like after voice edit. yeah oh my god yeah i that's what i remember because i only ever watched that part of it and was like this is fun and then turned it off and just never went back to watch it again it's a weird show anyway sorry this is yes. about that's okay i think we've done a lot fine you can just cut it all out it's not nah, it's all right i'll leave it in um, <laughs> yeah so uh fails the sexy lamp test fails the compass test fails the russo test because none of them are identifiably queer except not even dumbledore is identifiably queer like you could just gloss over that completely the only thing that gives you a hint is like oh i do love knitting patterns and that's just <laughs> <laughs> Was it the way that I said it? Yes. Oh, good. Okay, because I, I meant it to be funny. That, that he loves knitting patterns. I do love knitting patterns. Oh, no, he's evil. He's bad. Not all gay men are effeminate, first of all. You do not have a gaydar. It doesn't exist. No. 
You do if you're queer because we're always looking. But um, we know what to look for. Though I started a new job and immediately <laughs> found a queer. Immediately. Awesome. I'm actually really bad at that anyway. I know. Like I walked up and I was like, "Hi, I'm Megan." Da da da. Something about my girlfriend. Oh, cool. I'm by nice like immediately nice <laughs> straight away straight away mm. we find each other we seek each other out yes absolutely did you want to talk about harry now because i think we've been talking for about sure this, for about an hour now um, i also just before we do that i wanted to this note that i want to talk about which maybe i'll cut to the end of sure the show you do so but i'll say it anyway so this note that i found which i thought was really interesting was uh this quote even if the existing literature culture has the avowed desire of not to sustain existences that do not pertain to heteronormativity there are slippages from the benchmarks of normalcy in the processes of reading literature and these slippages lead to avenues of subversion so that's just basically saying read and interpret however you want because the things are going to be in the text, mm. regardless of whether the author put them in there. Yeah, and with my study and stuff as well, like there's the like because you study study or studied writing as well. Didn't yes, you? studied. Yeah. Yeah. So like the concept of the death of the author. Yeah. And I've always had like a bit of a mixed reaction to that. Like you know, like now in like a postmodern world, they're like no the author does not matter especially in theater because i do theater Mm. as well so the text is no longer god like Mm. we don't need to we don't need to conform to the text quite so much Mm. um um but i guess like i have always thought that like yes the author had a meaning and yes that's going to affect the way that you read it absolutely i mean you can't have a text without the author exactly like you can't just be like oh what author what brain i I don't know you might as well just make up your own text if that's gonna if that's what you're gonna do exactly (laughs) which you can it's called fan fiction it's amazing you can do that you can do it you can put your hands on your keys and just boop, 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 like in a, it's doing this weird hand motion um but yeah like you have to kind of take into consideration who the author is what's mm. their background like what's their bias what's the inspiration yeah exactly yeah. what's their biases but like you can also make it whatever you want like i can look at a text and go I think it means this mm. and someone can turn around and go, well, the author actually meant this. And I'm like, cool, I accept that. And I take that on. It still means this to me. Yeah. Like particular songs or particular books or yeah. particular artworks. Like, artworks. Yeah. yeah. Particular plays mean things to different people. Um, whether it's like nostalgic or whatever. Um, you're all going to read it differently. Mm. And the sooner that you'll accept that, the better the happier you will be be. oh you'll be so much happier when you realize you don't have to read everything the way it's presented on in text exactly make it as gay as you want make it as gay as you want all right let's talk about harry potter now okay yes harry potter is bisexual and mixed race super bi let's just get that out of the way let's just get it out of the way super bi yes so um, him finding out he's a wizard was kind of like me finding out I'm a lesbian that my friend pointed it out to me. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? You know you're gay, right? <laughs> she was like, you're a massive fucking dyke. Like, that's the words she said to me. And I was nice. like, ah, okay. I think maybe so. <laughs> After like some deep series, like a couple of hours of soul searching, I was like, 
Oh, that's actually true. And then I got over it now. Like, love being a lesbian. It's like, it's gay, gay, women are great. Gay, gay, women are great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So a lot of people have, in the research that I've done, have pointed out that um, the wizarding world is, like, kind of an allegory, can be construed as an allegory for, like, the queer world, like Harry coming out as a wizard, um, being realising that he's a part of this whole culture and this whole, like community that you know is everywhere and is just wasn't apparent to him before he knew what he was looking for like there's this part in the first book where um he sees people wearing like brightly colored robes and they're all wearing like purple and green and violet i think was the other one and the way that they're described and that's very like those are gay colors purple is definitely a gay Gay color color. for sure Yeah. yeah And everything is a lot more bright and colourful mm. and interesting. Yes, it's so much more interesting. Which is an interesting um, analogy. Yeah. yeah, an interesting al- analogy to draw for yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. So you I'd could read it. you could read Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone as a coming out narrative. Yeah, I back it. Yeah, I'm here for it. So, um, what is it about Harry Potter that you find uh, like? is queer about him like what kind of reading do you get like how do you interpret him as queer um like mainly what we're saying before about him and ron and the way that he was talking about charlie and the way that he was um talking about bill as well Mm. um i also just kind of think he doesn't really have a type yeah. Almost like he seems to be like his interpretation of what love is is quite different to what has been presented before mm-hmm. in media. Mm-hmm. Um his interpretation of what what love means and how you can love. So like I wouldn't also be surprised if he was polyamorous. Yeah. Um but yeah, just the way that he considers people and the way Mm. that he cares about people Mm. is just quite different to what other mainstream characters seem to do can you elaborate on that a little bit or is it a bit Um, no i mean like i just like the way that he connects to people he has these very very strong connections with people like Mm. the way that he connects with luna so yeah strongly yeah absolutely um i think his thing with cho chang First love interest. Let's do that. I mean, this first love interest. Um, I think that was very much a result of like just immaturity, like sexual mm. immaturity. Mm. I think he knew that he liked her, but he was like terrified of her. Yeah, like absolutely. A, like a like very much like a schoolboy crush. Yeah, but he like she was a year older than him as well. So there is a one of the lines in the text is she was the one who started it. I wouldn't have. She just sort of came at me. I didn't know what to do. So like you were saying, that sexual immaturity, that the not, consent is a little yes, tricky. It is because yeah. it's not. It's like it stops right before the kiss. The text, so it doesn't. But we can infer that that's what happened is that she was crying and nobody asked anyone for consent and she kissed him and he was very scared and it's also the result of this like young woman grieving yeah like 
that's why she's suddenly so interested in him because mm. she's grieving. Mm. So And she's looking for some kind of emotional support yeah. that she's not getting from anybody else. Exactly. She's grieving and she's traumatised and she's searching for answers. And she thinks Harry will be the one to give her the answers. Yeah, but and Harry's is, like, yeah. I am also deeply traumatised. Yeah. I don't know what you expect me to do. Yeah. Um, like, there is this line in the fifth book where he's like, "Why does Cho always want to talk about Cedric Diggory? Didn't she understand that he didn't want to? That Harry doesn't want to talk about Cedric Diggory? Like, yeah, yeah." And so he's like, "You're saying deeply traumatized, and yeah." And I think that that being in a relationship with Cho or even having some sort of relationship with Cho is like also traumatizing for him. Yeah, because he doesn't know how to act. He doesn't know what to do. He's like. And all she wants to do is talk about her dead boyfriend because she yeah. wants answers yeah. like a normal person would yeah. want. Like, you know, you can understand that. Like, mm. you can understand that she would want answers. Mm. Um, but Harry, having seen him die, does not want to re-traumatize exactly. himself. So, exactly. like, like it's he's, this... that's, That keeps coming up in the fifth book, which because I, I just read it, so... Mm. Is, um, is that he keeps saying, you know, I don't, I'm not going to rehash what happened with Cedric, I'm not going to... If you want to know what it looks like when someone kills a friend right in front of you, I'm not going to talk about that. You have to get that from somebody else. Mm. Um, so he's constantly going up against people who are like, talk about it, talk about it, talk about it. And then he eventually does talk about it. And then people come around to his side and then like Seamus is like... Um, he has a heart-to-heart with Harry where he's like, you know, I'm sorry that I doubted you. Um... I think we're going off on a tangent here anyway. But, yeah. Um, and so Harry does eventually talk about it in The Quibbler and um, gives an interview to Rita Skeeter, and, which is the stupidest name I've ever heard in my life. I love it. I think it's great. <laughs> I think it's awesome. But, yeah, like you were saying that... Um, so he is immature in that, like, he's emotionally immature, he's, like, sexually immature, and he doesn't know how to cope with the things that he's feeling, which have to do with both Cedric dying... Voldemort coming back and also his feelings for Cho. He's got enough on his plate yeah. without trying to run around passion people. Like, <laughs> he's got he's got enough going on, you know? Like, oh, me and Cho just sort of fell apart. Yeah, because you're both traumatised. I don't know what to tell you, but it was a terrible idea to start off with. Yeah. So, um, which is why it's, it's nice to see those really nice, healthy relationships yeah. coming out, like, him and Ron, him yep. and Hermione, that really yep. familial relationship. And then this, like, very... Because don't watch the movies if you want to know anything about Ginny because they're garbage. Um, read the books because Ginny is a top-notch babe. Um, she's ace. She's ace. She's so ace. I don't think she's, like, asexual. No, but, like, but ace she's, like, is, ace, ace is like, word. Yeah. yeah. Um, she's... Yeah, and they have this really great mutually beneficial relationship yep. where they're, like, great friends yeah. as well as, you know, romantically involved, yeah. um, which is really nice to see happen. But, yeah, I think that's what made him a bit of a queer for me is that, like, he didn't really seem to have any, like, um, labels when it came to loving people, mm. which is really nice. Oh, that's lovely. Um, we can talk about how... Harry is treated by the Dursleys and how that can be seen as a mm. as a homophobia kind of laced yeah, yeah. especially if you're going to like draw the um, coming out, the coming out the, thing yeah, yeah definitely mm. um, and like how you've got in there that um, 
Dudley goes all like talking about your boyfriend yeah. like yeah and that um you know using being queer to like try and hurt you like mm. people will try and say to me like oh like you're not a girl and like oh when did you people used to be I a man? still say shit like that yeah what? Like, people have said that to me online oh. like people yeah online yeah um yeah people have like thrown those sorts of like homophobic things yeah like you're not a real like you're not like the other girls because you were never a girl and like yeah like how big is your penis and like yeah and i'm just like it's like laughing that's so stupid right and i'm like first of all trolls aren't even like intelligent (laughs) it's like first of all why is it your business what my genitals look like second of all why do you think that's an insult like yeah i'm Having fine this is not an insult <laughs> it's fine like you've got a penis i'm assuming yeah. like anyway anyway yeah so many people have penises many people so have like, penises it doesn't matter men women non-binary people exactly many have penises uh, approximately 50 percent of the world's population to exactly. be honest um yeah so i i think it's definitely like a like a similarity for sure mm. and like showing that oppression from you know like you know Sirius's parents threw him out mm. but um the Dursleys kept him but he still has to live in this environment yeah. where he's not safe because mm. of who he is so um that's quite yeah it's it's pretty much spot on it's really awful yeah just thinking about it now like even reading this I was just like yeah So, Rowling herself, I got this quote here from a Vox article. Rowling herself made it clear that she doesn't think it's a major issue to be gay in the wizarding world. If you were talking about prejudiced people within the wizarding world, what they care most about is your blood status. So, I think you could be gay, pure blood, and totally without any criticism from the Lucius Malfoys of the world. I don't think that it would be something that would interest him in the slightest, but I can't answer for all witches and wizards because I think in matters of the heart, it would be directly parallel to our world. Well, first off, she can answer for all witches and wizards because she she made made them. (laughs) Second of all, she literally just contradicted herself. She's like, there wouldn't be homophobia, except maybe a little. Like... (laughs) I just don't buy, like, the the world is so rich. Like, I just don't buy that there is no homophobia. Like, that's just, that's just, I mean. And like, if are, there was no homophobia, <laughs> wouldn't you have outed Dumbledore, like, in the text? Yeah. And would we not, like, I, believe, I genuinely, like, buy into people materialising and rematerialising in other places that there's an evil wizard out trying to kill a baby and I do not believe that there is no homophobia in that universe. <laughs> what does this say? <laughs> what the does suspension this say? of disbelief is only suspended it's so only far. so far, exactly. Oh my god. Yeah, mm. no, that's just not... That's just pandering, to be yeah. honest. Like, that's a very diplomatic, political answer. Um, yeah, I think she's uh, she's trying to do a lot of that, be apolitical and, like, centrist and trying not to upset anyone. And it's like, well, you made a book about a wizard that made every Christian in every corner of the world hate you, so maybe no you should just lean into it. Exactly. No text is ever apolitical, ever. Mm. Entertainment is, by its own virtue, political. 
Yeah, always. It it, be saying that you don't have a political position is a political position because you're in a position of privilege in which you can remove yourself from the politics. effects of politics. Exactly. Shut um, my head. One last thing, I think, before we can wrap it up. Um, unless there's anything else you wanted to talk about. No, I'm good. No, you're good. I've, I've said many things. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so this might spark some more. Um, so in the DVD commentary of one of the one of the movies, I'm not sure which one, Rowling says, um, their relationship, uh, Grindelwald and Dumbledore, was incredibly intense. It was passionate and it was a love relationship. But as happens in any relationship, gay or straight or whatever label you want to put on it, one never knows really what the other person is feeling. You can't know. You can believe you know. So I'm less interested in the sexual side, (laughs) though I believe that there is a sexual dimension to this relationship, than I am in the sense of the emotions that they felt for each other, which ultimately is the most fascinating thing about all human relationships. Which to me sounded like the love that dare not speak its name. Yeah, exactly. And I'm sorry, like, also... You could never know what the other person is feeling. You know what I do? Talk. I ask Beck, and then she tells me. And I believe her because she doesn't lie to me about those things. <laughs> it is not that hard. <laughs> they were gay, but shh. But they never talked about it. <laughs> they were super if in they, love. If and they, they didn't talk about it, like, what were they afraid of, right? If there's no homophobia in this world... <laughs> They're not internal. They don't have internalized homophobia. Therefore, they're not afraid to talk about their feelings. They had like, sex through a hole in a sheet. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knew no. about it. <laughs> they didn't look at each other. They didn't talk about it after. They just got dressed and left. Like, <laughs> no, they weren't even fully undressed. Let's be real. We just had our shirt on. We put a hole. We didn't look at each other. Just looked away. <laughs> Closed eyes, fully, no no touching hands, no kissing. Locked the doors, drew the curtains, <laughs> silence. Like, what? Those words have no meaning. <laughs> she, I don't even think she knows what she's saying. Like, I she truly clearly don't. doesn't. I think she's just trying to be like, don't make it about sex because it's about feelings. Don't make it's it like, about the gays. Just, just whatever you do, don't talk about the gays. It's like when PR know. people are like, just don't, don't make anybody else gay. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, okay. I'll try not to, but then I'll talk about real in depth about this one gay relationship without ever actually talking about it. Oh my god. God help us. Anyway. Oh god. <laughs> all right i think that's all we've got cool yeah tight thanks for uh, coming on my podcast that's okay thanks for letting me talk about my two favorite things harry potter and gays yes well i love <laughs> one of those things <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> and the other <laughs> well i did actually talk about this for like two hours i'm so, so proud of you yeah you've gotten so in depth i loved it well i have read the books and great. like i did interact with the fandom a little bit i love it I'm so excited. Is there anything that you would like to plug um, a social media page or maybe an episode of general queries that you really loved or something that you've got coming up? Anything? Um, Maybe your episode from general queries? Yeah, if you want to go and listen to my episode of general queries, it's quite early if you want to hear more about this. Um, And if you want to hear about my wife, um, she's on there too. She's under Beck, B-E-C, not B-E-K. 
B-E-K Beck is not my wife. B-E-C Beck is my <laughs> yes. wife. Dr. Phil is the worst. Dr. Oh. Phil is the worst. No, Dr. Phil is a psychologist. Dr. Phil is a psychologist. It's yes. what the episode's mm-hmm. called. He was, he was like disbarred or something wasn't he god i hope so he's yes he was he had his, he was. He's had, yeah, his yeah. license revoked yeah 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 but no, because no. his show is a talk show with yeah. entertainment it's he doesn't it's fine yeah there's but no yes. medicine required yeah the episode is called dr phil is a psychologist psychologist if you want to follow me on instagram i don't yep. post a lot but it's at megan dot not a vegan <laughs> Um, yeah. Because it's the only people who know how to say my name right. Oh, so anyway, I can get people to do it. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not a vegan. I didn't want to, like, make it like vegan, a, oh, vegan. I'm, like, a vegan page because yeah. I'm not a vegan. So, yeah. yeah. But. People are still fine. who will be like, oh, she's vegan. I'm not. <laughs> Let me say it here now. I'm not a vegan. Um, I do like meat and chocolate. I am sorry. Yes. Listen to General Queries. Listening to my episode the one that says Megan on it. Yep. And then the one that's uh, Dr. Phil is a psychologist in quotation marks. That's my wife's episode. And I'm also on that. Um, and my Instagram at Megan.notavegan. <laughs> but no, I have nothing else coming up. Um, no worries. Graduating soon. Yeah, that's exciting. All over QT's yeah. pages. Yeah. I don't have hair to flick. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. That's it. Awesome. Well, thank you. And thank you, Beck, for guesting a little bit. Yeah, for guest him. sitting. <laughs> Passing note. <laughs> You're welcome. Yes. Uh, okay. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can find Sexuality on Twitter and Instagram at Queer As Media and Facebook at The Russo Test. But I don't, I don't even post. I always end up being like, oh, you can find me on all these pages that I don't post on. Big um, so just find me on Twitter and Instagram. Um, yeah, so chat to me there. I just posted a thread that um, kind of blew up a little bit. Ooh. Not really. It was like 10 people liked it. That's oh. blowing up to me. It's blowing. <laughs> it's blowing and it was about my interpretation of um, a thing that uh, Pan and I talked about in the last episode, in the Kuroko's basketball episode about um this relationship elevator that we were talking about so if you want to hear more about that uh listen to Kuroko's basketball episode if you want to know what the thread was about check out the twitter page and yeah so thanks for listening i'll talk to you later bye